Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. And on today's show, we will review all of the weekend Serie A action as it returns after the international break. The big game of the weekend sees Juventus stun 10-man Milan at San Siro. Inter go top of Serie A again after beating Torino 3-0 as Taram and Lautaro can't stop storing. Kvica Kvaratskhelia is well and truly back after he destroyed Verona for, for Napoli. Luis Alberto puts on a show for Lazio. Roma win late against Monza with Jose Mourinho putting on a real show himself and going full Michael Corleone. Uh, Bologna threaten Europe and also the, the betting scandal rumbles on. So we look at how Italian football has has turned into to, to a circus, really. We'll also preview the, the Champions League match day three that is on this midweek. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode that we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all of the questions from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month, plus VAT. Um, you can also now sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify. We'll provide the link in the description. It's the same price in the same terms. And for all of you who listen on Spotify, Apple and iTunes podcasts, we'd really appreciate if you give us a five-star rating, give us a follow and a like, uh, also on YouTube as well. Um, it really helps us to, to grow and do more quality content for you guys. So let's get into today's show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Making your own podcast is fun, but the production of podcasts can also be challenging if you don't have the right software. With Zencaster, the whole process is quick and straightforward. Here at the Italian Football Podcast, we aim to have the highest of standards, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and fantastic HD video quality. Furthermore, it's really easy to use. Even boomers like Carlo can manage. There's nothing to download, just one click, and we start recording each episode. Zencaster ensures that your podcasting experience is easy and enjoyable. You don't even have to leave your browser as it possesses all the tools required to get the episode done, from local recording to automatic post-productions. Go to zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code ItalianFootball, one word. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Okay, right. So let's start off with the big game. Milan against Juventus at San Siro, the Sunday evening match. Uh, Juventus win 1-0 against 10 men Milan. Um, to start with, let's discuss this from, from the Juventus point of view. So I'll kick things off as the resident Juventino. Um, from and the resident Go- Allegri hater. I- I'm really curious to see what you're going to say here today. <laughs> <laughs> because... Juve, uh, that was the most Allegri win ever. <laughs> so I'm really keen to hear what you think here. I guess actually. so, I guess so. I mean, look, first of all, I think if you take it based on the chances itself, um, I think Juventus definitely deserved to win the game. Um, that's shown out by by the XG. I think Milan had an XG of like 0.3 and Juventus was pushing on, uh, I think, 1.4. 
Um, so based on the chances they deserve to win, of course, the game was greatly conditioned by two massive events. First of all, the red card before half-time. Um, up until that point, I mean, Juventus barely got out of their half <laughs> until until that point. Um, and obviously the winner was very, very fortunate. Um, it was a huge, huge deflection. Um, and without that, you know, maybe the game would have ended goalless. Um, so, so of course, the, you know, the game was conditioned. But, um, you know, I think that um, there are, from a positive point of view from Juventus, you know, I thought that the, at the same time, Milan didn't create anything. Even 11 against 11, you, Milan had one chance, um, which was the Giroud chance, which was a fantastic save from Chesney. But apart from that, Milan did nothing. They did nothing with 11 men in terms of actual opportunities, that is. Obviously, they, they dominated the territory and the possession until the red card, but they didn't create anything. So I thought Juventus were organised, they were compact. Um, I thought that... Um, Allegri problem solved the Raphaelial issue, which was the Milan's only threat. Um, he was giving Gatti some problems in the opening kind of quarter of the game, and Allegri problem solved. He 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 pushed Weyer further back to to help with um, help Gatti to go two on one, and also McKenney was coming over there as well and almost to triple tripling up on 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 Liao. So I think that from an organisational defensive point of view. Um, yeah, Juventus did well. I mean, the defence was very solid. Uh, and since that Sassuolo aberration, um, Juventus have got four clean sheets in a row now and they've got six clean sheets in, in nine games this season. So you can clearly see that, yeah, the defence is is working um, at the moment. Um, but yeah, we have to acknowledge that the game was conditioned on, on the red card. Look, if we're looking, if we're looking at this from a, from a Juve point of view, because I've got quite a bit to say about Milan as well. Um, I've made I made quite a bit of notes because I was really studying this game. I I loved this game. I thought of course, this of course was, you did. Of no, this was did. a tactical. This was such a beautiful tactical battle. I mean, if we discard the some of the um, poor technical. Uh, mistakes. And, yeah, I want to come to that at the end. I want to yeah, try and look at this yeah, more from a positive point yeah, of view. Uh, first. If, if we discard the the the, the technical quality uh, deficiencies, that were evident for everyone to see. But if we look at this from a, from a strictly tactical point of view, and two managers, two very good managers, two managers who tactically were playing, it was a chess match. It really was. Um, it was very tight. Um, the way that Pioli in the beginning had Milan pressing, you know, the, the classic Pioli under Milan under Pioli situation where they press high, they they want to impose themselves on the opponent. And a Juve who Allegri on the other hand who who had his 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 formation to absorb the pressure, try to neutralize Milan and then kind of lull them into a false sense of sense of security and then of course hurt them. Classic Allegrismo. Um it was very, very interesting to see that. Um, but then, if, if we look at it from a, from a Juve point of view, I think, like you said, I think your, 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 your summary was spot on. I think it's um, in the sense that this was a game that was conditioned entirely by that sending off, and that's why Juventus won. And I think that's, you know, otherwise this, is, this has got a goalless draw in all over it. Um, but, it's what I find particularly interesting is how well he Allegri had Juve 
positioned and prepared for this game. And this is where I think it'll come down, why playing once a week will help Juve in the, the Serie A. Because the fact that he's got an entire week to prepare for pretty much every game, um, you can turn up to these games, this, this level of preparation, that I think Juve are going to need, because I think in terms of quality on the, of the squad... My brother in Christ, that is this is the worst Juventus in on paper in my lifetime. Honestly, I've I've went through and compared some of these the the, the horrible Juventus sides, Del Neri's Juve, you know, in the 80, late eighties Juve. This is by far worse. I mean, if you compare, and 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 yesterday's eleven, no, yeah, yesterday. I mean, sweet Jesus, what was it was up there? Yeah, it was. It, it was, was pretty bad. That team gets relegated. I mean, that that's a mid-table championship lineup. Uh, that that team gets relegated. That 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 team finishes dead last in the Premier League. Let me put it to you that way. Um, well, Luton, behind Luton. Behind Luton. I mean, sweet mother of it God. It was pretty bad. It was pretty it was bad. Dreadful. I'm not, not going to, yeah. Come on. Like, it's awful. Um, but to get, but in order to, to, to get the most, which I think is, again, this is why I respect Allegri as much as I do. Because you've, his teams are always... No, I'm never going to be critical of, of, of Allegri playing against a, a far superior team with, with an 11 like that and, and being cautious and pragmatic. And mm. I'm, I'm never going to be critical in, in, yeah. that, in, 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 those, in those circumstances. Juventus did have a lot of players out. Mm. And for that reason, I, I applaud Allegri for, for, you know, okay, the red condition the game. But we're taught, again, as I, I repeat, up until that moment, Milan had, had weren't they didn't create they, they, create, they created one chance yes yeah, they had all Chesney, the territory but it was, yeah. it was they never looked like creating either no. well they had with. one and Chesney then pulled up one of the saves of the season yeah that's it that's all they had it was a brilliant uh, save it was, um, it was actually also a really great bit of play from Liao and, and yeah, Giroud wonderful um, so was so you know but I, 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 I said to, I praise Allegri for no no I know I just want to say I just what I find amazing about that is is exactly this I mean this is a classic big game uh in terms of tactics that 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 in, in the Serie A between two big clubs who really don't re- neither of them really wanted to lose I have to particularly praise Moise Ken who I thought in the first half was really good and I think it's it's again this season it's a different Moise Ken he looks fitter sharper more alert more his link up play which he was Awful at his hold really, up play, I think. Yeah, as well, hold definitely. up and link up play. He just didn't mm. have that before. Now he has that. Um, yeah, he, he was just, causing um, Tiao a lot of problems even before the red card. Just oh, in terms of his, his body strength, he was he was out muscling Tiao. And Tiao is a yeah. big guy. He's he a is, big guy. Is. Keen is strong. He is a he is. he's a bull. and he's quick. And I, and that's he's something quick, I want yeah. to talk about Malik Chow as well. That I'm, I've noticed something with him. But we'll get yeah, to we'll him come on to him when we talk about Milan. But I've yeah. noticed something with him. I, I'm with you on Keen. I, I thought he's. I mean, I, I, I precursors. I've been saying this for a few weeks, haven't I? About Keen yeah, that, that he's starting to be useful now. Like, yeah, I'm not going to get overboard because at the end of the day, he's got to put that chance away before half time. Oh, yeah, his finishing is still awful. His, you know, he, yeah. he's going to have to score goals. He, he can't yeah. just be there, just you know. But we're seeing he's actually proving useful. Like he's providing something for Juventus until mm. recently. He, he well, until I think this year actually he's shown improvements this calendar year. At the end of the last, even the second half of yeah. last season, he was proven useful. But before then, he was offering he was offering nothing. Uh, but now, there are definite improvements there. Um, we know his weaknesses, as I've repeated in the last couple of weeks. You know, 
his awareness technically is not the best. He's not clinical, you know, as we saw with that chance. But he he was very good uh, in the first half, and 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 he was causing, especially as he was so isolated as well. Um, you know, he was feeding off scraps, and 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 it, but he was winning free kicks. He was buying some time. Um, you know, he, he he did really really well. So I think he definitely deserves that praise. And I've actually was thinking about this. Because remember, there was that interview last season with Mikel Antonio um, about mm. about David Moyes and Schimaka about having to feed um, off scraps. Yeah, feed off scraps. Moise Keane's a bit of an Italian Mikel Antonio, I think. I, could, I, <laughs> I see, I, <laughs> I see some um, some similarities there between the two of them. Um, mm. Obviously, I hope that Moise Keane goes on to become a. Uh, a more I complete think, and better player than Mikel well, Antonio. This, this is the thing about Moise Kane. He's a handful, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, but a this handful. is the thing. He's always been very quick and he's always been kind of, you know, a bit, you know, um, unorthodox in the sense that, you know, he, he can do, you never really know what he's going to do and, and he's unpredictable. Like, you don't know what you're going to get, good and bad. But now he's his physique is better than it's ever been. He looks fitter, more alert. He's strong. I've never seen him this strong. And also he looks bigger, but it's not impacted his movement, which is well done, whoever's, you know, training him. Um, and, and, and giving the training regime he's undergoing is really suiting him. And, and he is a handful, like you said. He, he just, he causes his movement patterns, just cause all sorts of trouble. And he's damn strong too. So... Mm. It's, it's he's a good presser as well. He, yes, he's, he is. he's a bit like really Rossi in that sense. Like he, yeah. he's on you all the time. And, yeah, he, and he's 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 just he's just a pain in the butt. Yeah, um, and, yeah. He's and, one to watch. Let's see how he develops. He's gonna yeah. have to. But he's gonna have to. You know, he, he can't just be that. Um, no, you no, know, he has otherwise, to. otherwise he's. You know, I don't know. He's like Simone Zaza was like that at one point mm. as well. Like he was exactly. a real pain in the butt as well, and 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 it was a handful and was strong. But then we saw. How his career developed. So Keane's going to have to develop his own side of this he game. He needs to improve. He has to. His his finishing is atrocious. Let's be honest. I mean, he yeah. he can't. He he just he he misses sitters so many times, and that's something he just has to get out. Snap Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And if you're going to play for more progressive uh, progressive teams or progressive styles, obviously this was a game that suited him probably. But you know, mm. we, you know when you're dominating possession and yeah. you're dominating play, you know that's a different type of game you yeah. have to play. Like yeah. Mikel Antonio could never really play in that kind of team, no. you know, where he's getting lots of touches and he's having to link, you know, but so that's where, you know, that's where we'll see with Keane. But it's, yeah, it's, 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 we have to, we have to, because he gets a lot of stick for Keane. He's big, you know, he gets a lot of stick and he has done, but you know, it's only right that we praise him. And, and he was decisive in this game because that red card, you know, I don't think Juventus win this game without that red card. Probably not. Um, it was decisive in this match. Um, mm. Locatelli as well, um, you know, which was a nice story. Seven years to the day, that he scored that breakout goal for for Milan mm-hmm. against Juventus as a teenager. He scores uh, as an 18-year-old, I think he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven years to the day, he scored. I mean, it was a ridiculously lucky goal, but, but you know, it's a, it's a nice story and, and it's um, a first goal for a long time for him. Um, in, in the sense of, I mean, if we're talking like the most Allegri wins in <laughs> this... This is like if if there's like a church of allegrismo, where <laughs> you were to rank the most allegri wins for in in his career. I think this is like second to the game where they beat Chelsea at home with one shot on tar- one shot which was on target, one goal, 
and they what was it like nineteen percent possession? Mm. I mean, the year after Chelsea had won. There you go. The won. ambulance has come in for the yeah. the, the terror victims <laughs> of Allegri. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it was the most Allegrismo ever, and and the fact that he at the end there when he. At the you know and, and from the 85th minute when he's like you're a goal up and he just loses it and throws his tie his jacket that was hilarious I, I love I, that loud I that. love when he is that angry like that's and the thing is lost. I know why he I know exactly why he did that <laughs> the reason why he did that was because I can't remember who it was but somebody did a pass centrally into the Miretti, middle of the pitch I think it was where, did a pass into the middle of the field and 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 with a Milan player coming from the back he didn't want that he wanted it just to be passed out wide. Well, of course, um, because he, did. cause he didn't want any to take any risks, you know. <laughs> so that's why he did it. I know exactly why he did it's it. It's the eighty-fifth minute. And we all know why he did it, and that's why it's so funny. Because it was, I think, it was yeah. Miretti lost it on Miretti, and he's just like, you don't do that in the eighty-fifth, eighty-sixth minute. He just loses shit when you do that. Mm. And but, but yeah, this, just, this just, is only second to that Chelsea win, which I think is the most allegri thing ever. But no, look, at the end of the day, you can understand why he's getting all excited because. Nine games in, after nine games, he is two points off league leaders Inter with a team that is probably the worst Juventus team on paper I've seen in my lifetime. And they've not well, been playing very well. And no, not I think the, the well. team yesterday, no. yeah, I agree with you. Not no, the no, team. No. We're not when they've got Chiesa and Vlaovic. Let's not, yeah, but, let's not yeah. over-exaggerate. But no, the team I, I yesterday... I, I think the team it's the worst, without a doubt. I mean, if you compare the quality overall of the squad uh, to what Juve have had, for the last 30, 40 years. I don't think, I think this is just unbelievably poor, but again, this is what it means to him. And and he understands that because his teams don't really come to their own until from December, January onwards. And in the fact that he's only two points off the league leaders um, is, is incredible. And the Juve aren't playing well, but they're getting the results. Look again, a loss against Milan yesterday would have meant that they were, what, seven points behind them? Yeah. And five points uh, behind Inter. That's essentially the Scudetto challenge over after match day nine. Um, and he's and that's not the case now anymore. We have now, the as I tweeted out, the Serie A table from my child, from mining yours childhood. It's the three teams back in the top. I think I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago, that it feels like we're going back to the Serie A, of, of, of the classic Serie A, where Inter versus Milan versus Juve. Now, I don't think Juve are going to challenge for the Scudetto. I think they're going to drop off. Um, but the fact that they're there is very encouraging for Juve. And, and it gives Juve something to be to feel, to build around, because there's not been very much to build around. No, there hasn't. Um, I do want to give a, word, a shout out also. Cambiasa, I thought was really good when yeah. he, when he came on. Kostic was awful. Cambiasa was really good when he mm, came on, uh, and also Hoysen for his debut. I thought was very very confident um, when he came on. He he looked very calm, very relaxed. He he, he looked like you know mm. he he was in his his his, his living room, as I say. Um, you know he, he, he there was no nerves at all so uh, I thought that was very promising because he's a player that I know a lot of Juventus fans have a lot of hope, hopes uh, on that he that he can become a you know a, a, a first team top player and that's the hope um, so that was that was very promising but we have to discuss from the Milan points of view because um, I, I, I for one was I was very disappointed by Milan. I, ha- I have to say, I, I, I expect you know you expect we know what we expect from Juventus now, uh, but from Milan, kind of like the sparks that we've seen from them this season, the excitement, 
they they was none of that. Liao was it the only one that showed some spark, and then once Juventus kind of locked him down by putting three men on him. Uh, after that, um, you know, and as I said before, 0.3 xg in this game. They they only created one chance before the red, so it wasn't just the red card. Um, there was just yeah, they they just didn't really they didn't really create anything. They didn't show anything in this game as an attacking force, did they? Despite no. the possession, despite the possession and the territorial advantage, they did, they didn't create anything. No, they didn't. Um, and I think it's again because Juventus. Well, in the beginning, I thought Milan were imposing themselves, but then they couldn't do that final final push, um, and they looked a bit toothless from then on, even before the sending off. And that's a bit of a problem for Juve. Uh, sorry, for Milan, um, and. That's something that, you know, this is still a young team. It's a team that, you know, they had underwent quite a bit of changes in the summer. It's still a work in progress. Um, And I think you're going to see these kinds of games, especially against, well, managers of the quality of Allegri, who can completely gridlock and read a a game and gridlock it. And you can, uh, and and against, uh, you know, in big games, I think you're going to see that with Milan a little bit. Because again, like I said, it's it's still a work in progress. It's still a young team. They do have experience, but they still need some time to work some quirks out and find each other. Um, But I think, I I mean, more than anything, I think that in everything there, everything I want to say about Milan is embodied in Malik Chow. Because I think he's a very talented player. I think so. I think he's very, very talented. He's, he's, he's only 22 years old. But the problem I see with him, and I noticed it when I was in Milan in February to watch Milan v Inter, he struggled back then. I mean, I noticed it so much against Lukaku, against physical players. Now, Lukaku isn't very quick anymore. But as we saw in the derby against Turam, Against big, physical, and fast players, he is he 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 misreads the game, and he doesn't when he wants to push up, he he gets it wrong. His timing is off, which is exactly what happened with Moise Ken yesterday as well. Not just for the red card, but throughout, he struggled with him. Not as bad as with Turam, of course, because he got destroyed by Turam in the derby, but in in this game, he he had problems with King because he was also again big fast, strong uh, player. And and that's something that Malik Chiao, I think that's something to keep an eye on. But again, I don't want to crucify him too much. He's only 22 years old. I do see potential there. And I, I still think, and I want to reiterate, I think that Chiao, Kalulu, Tomori in a back three, Teo Hernandez to the left in front of Mike Mignon, that is how Mila should be playing. I mean, keep the, keep the three-man midfield um, but they should be playing with a back three. I think they will get more out of that defense if they play with a back three. Um, but I do understand why they want to keep playing him as a one of the two in, in, in central defenders in a back four because they want him to learn and all that. But again, I mean, even before the, the sending off, you saw when, when Calabria had to kind of invert and they became a back three when he saved in, in the first half, he saved a Chao when, when, when King was causing, causing him issues and he saved him there. Again, I, I think you need to have that extra man when you have a young central, when you have a central defender like Malik Chao, who is fast, who is good, but is still very young. And if you're going to play this kind of man-to-man marking high up the pitch with a player like that, 
well, if he's not, if he does, if his timing is off, then things like what happened yesterday will happen, like what happened in the derby will happen. If you're willing to accept that, then continue allowing him to grow into it. Because I, again, I do think it's a quality. He, there is quality there, but I wonder if now, if they're going against PSG at the Parc de Prince, if that's how you want to play in those big games. Maybe you want to continue playing the back four in against smaller to medium-sized team, mid-teams, but in the big games, until you feel that he's ready to take on that in a back four against the biggest size sides. I'm not sure he's quite there yet. I, I, mean, I don't think... I don't know I don't, what the right answer is. I definitely, don't think you've, yeah, I definitely don't think you throw the baby out with the bar four and just rip up the, the, the setup and go to a back three. I, I, we saw it last season, didn't we, after they went mm. through that bad run. And uh, it it was okay for a couple of games. Just I think it was against Tottenham, wasn't it? In the in the in the Champions League, and where, Napoli, but, I mean Tottenham yeah. were going through a, a crisis. But then they just you know after that it it, it fell apart again. Uh, and you know I just think it doesn't you know it just becomes too defensive and counter attacking. I, I just don't think purely that's purely. Uh, no, it's not. Um, it's not. And so I don't no. I don't think you do that. Um, I think Milan have, have had a good start to the season. They've, they've lost the two big games which is a bit of a concern. They've lost to Inter and they've lost to Juventus. Um, and if they lose to PSG, then that is a disaster. Um, but, but you know, I, I think with Tiao is, yeah, like you said, he's young. He's not the finished article. He's still developing. Um, he needs to, I think more than anything, he needs to cut out the, 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 the big errors. Um, before he joined Milan, I asked our, our friend of the show, Ronan, Ronan Murphy, who's a German football expert. And I said, and I asked him, you know, what's Tiao like? And he said, he said he's a big talent, but he throws in too many big errors, like disastrous errors, like just huge errors. And we didn't really see that at the start with Milan, but now we are starting to see it. And we've seen two this season. We've seen it in the Inter game uh, when it was nil-nil for that first goal. And then we've seen it again in this game. And, and basically both of those errors have, have cost Milan. Um, so I think that's the issue with Tiao is that he... he He'll have a good game, but he'll. But then he'll. Even if he's having a good game, he's always liable to throw in a huge, massive error like that. Um, so that's. I think that's the issue more than anything. Um, but- I'll tell you what I think with with Tiago. Like I said, I, I think he's he's been good this season. I just think that when it comes to a certain type of striker, um, against- he's a big guy though. Yeah, he's I know, but, when, but, he, that, but the problem is that he lacks the routine and experience to know when to push up and put, drop back. And that it, it's a fraction of a second at this level is enough for you to get completely done like that. And that's what he did against Turan. That was incredibly his, naive when he's the last man naive, to chase it, to chase in and commit himself like very, that. Very, it was, it, it was like Scalvini. It's the same criticism yeah, I made of exactly. Scalvini for the third England goal where yeah. he's the last man. All yeah. he had to do was just, just hold his ground and yeah. cover the space. You don't need to push up like that no yeah no no this is what because i mean if you push and I, and up I think like that you're basically creating a scenario where if you don't win the ball the guys screwed. either clean through or you give away a you're yeah, giving away you're a screwed. red card you're screwed where all and, you have and, to do is hold back yeah. and 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 then the, the player isn't going to be one-on-one and, and no and and well, again and, and 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 that's what i mean about like i'm just saying like i think he he because i think he's been good this season except for those two games really and that's when he's up against strikers who are quick and physically very strong. That's mm-hmm. where he, you know, but as a friend of, uh, as of one of our patrons, uh, a Milan fan, Dennis said, when I was talking about him yesterday about this, he said, look, if Chao was the finished product, he wouldn't be playing at Milan. 
you'll be playing at City or one of the biggest clubs in, in, in Europe because they'd play 50, 60, 70 million for him and, and Milan wouldn't have him. So, you, you, you know, you're going to have to have patience with players like that. And I think that's a really good point where Milan are. And, and, and I'm, I'm just kind of looking at it in the sense that I've, I've noticed some issue, an issue here, a recurring issue here with Joe. And I think it's going to be interesting that, to see how he handles it. Yeah, but that's also, it's not just where Milan are. That is also where Italian football are. Yeah, we don't exactly. have many finished no. articles anymore no. in, in Italian no. football no, because, because of that there is and that, that brings me on and I didn't want to speak about this at the beginning because I don't want to just make this negative you know this is a big game but look, I, I'm sorry I have to be brutally honest here because we don't we don't want to sugarcoat shit here on the, no. on the podcast I think that's I think that if there's anything that's something we don't that do our, that, that that's, 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 that's something that our listeners appreciate that we, yeah. we can criticise Italian football and not mm. just pretend that it's great like, like some others do Um this was a terrible quality game. This was a bad advert for Italian football. I'm sorry, but in terms of quality, this was not a good a good advert for Italian football. And we can talk about the tactics and all that, which, no, no, is, which is something which is something oh. which is an acquired taste that some people. Mm. But in ter- if we're talking about actual quality, technical quality, the, the the tempo of the game, the excitement that this game would have brought to to, to not Italian football fans uh, to neutrals, but to fans outside of the that you know are tuning in to watch two historic teams play two teams that that have, have produced so many amazing teams and amazing players in the past and we're talking about this being maybe the worst Juventus 11 that we've seen for for maybe ever you know but this game this this is one of the worst quality Milan Juventus games I've ever seen maybe the worst in terms of actual quality of the game it was it was awful quality uh, I'm, I hate to have to say that because I would love no, to come No, but the here. technical it individual was just, it was terrible. errors. Yeah. It was, I mean, for me, it was Weston McKinney just embodied that. I mean, I think it was the second half where he he makes the simple pass that footballers at that level you can expect them to do. But as soon as you ask him to do something that is a little bit advanced, he just can't do it. And I saw this. It wasn't just him. I'm not singling him out. I, I, it was throughout the game. Uh, Gatti... McKenny, well, Chow, we saw the, the Kronich. I mean, it's just there were so many individual howlers at a technical level that it just was 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 a testament to how Italian football individually is not that there aren't very many finished products in Italian football, and the players that uh, that are there are maybe not will never maybe never be the finished products. I mean, we're you know, and, and, that, and that's just where no, it, there was just so many basic basic technical errors. I mean, yeah, you single out McKenny, um, yeah. but but yeah, he was. I don't want to you know, single him out, but I just thought that to me was just so obvious. No, he is the embodiment of that because that's you know he's we know he's technically he's not a good he's not yeah. a good player. Um, but, he, I mean, but, did but you was, see that when he was like when he when he when he wins the ball? He passes it, he creates a counter-attack, plays the right ball out, and then he gets it back, and he, he's running towards the ball to shoot it immediately. And you need to technically be able to turn your body. And I think he hit the Panini ladies outside of the stadium. <laughs> it, it was just, I mean, it's just, it was... No, but there's uh, a lot, there's a, there was a lot of real sort of like average players. Uh, that you just know that they're not going to produce, you know, no. they haven't got anything about them to produce anything. I mean... You know, I thought Weyer, for example, oh I, I, I thought he did all right. thought tactically he did his job pretty yeah, well, actually. But, 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 I mean, mm. you put him on the ball, I mean, there's just there's just nothing there. Uh, you know, and then you've got, when I mean, you're going through the Juventus team and you've got Rugani, who, again, I thought did pretty well <laughs> defensively. But, you know, mm. this Rugani, he's just such an average player. He there's really just is. average players 
you know, everywhere. Uh, and, and Milan, I mean, Milik, Milik was terrible, terrible. He just did nothing. Um, and, and McKean, for as good as he got, you know, you're not getting anything technically from him. But, you know, even from the Milan point of view, I mean, very, very disappointing. Obviously, Teo Hernandez being out um, was, a, was, a, was, a, was a, a big blow from that point of view. And I think that brings us on to also what I said about Italy, is that the Italy national team right now can't afford to have three or four players out because of the quality the depth of quality just isn't there and you just see mm-hmm. it just plummets with just a few plays out. I think the same goes on a on a club level. Certainly, you know, I think Inter have probably got a bit more depth, but cert, but even Inter, but certainly from like Juventus in Milan, Juventus had four Juventus only had four first team players out. They had seven, you could arguably say Juventus had seven starters last night. You know, so Vlaovic, Chiesa um, were, were both missing and Danilo and then let's say, uh, uh, you know, one of the central midfielders um, and, you know, Pogba or Fagioli, whichever, you know, whichever one you want to say. Um, and and then the, the, the level just drops to, to that. And then Milan were without Menon, They were without Teo Hernandez. They were without, obviously, Benese has been out for a while. Krunic, uh, you know, so let's say three or four Milan players were out. And then the, the, the level of the game drops to that. Um, it's... It's, it's quite worrying. I, I was speak again. I was speaking to to our friend of the show, Adrian Del Monte, because he was at the game, um, and uh, the um, he said that only three foreign broadcasters were were covering the game pitch side yesterday. Only two in the stands, and then that that says it all. That says it all. You know, a Premier League game would have thirty to forty broad, broadcasters for a big for a big game. You know, a Manchester derby or a big North London derby or Arsenal-Chelsea played at the weekend, you know, you'd get 30 to 40 foreign broadcasters at one of those games. Milan-Juventus, one of the most historic games of all time, and only three foreign broadcasters are covering the game on the pitch. I mean, that's that says it all. And when you watch the game, when you watch the, the quality, mm. the low quality of that game, you can see why. You can yeah. see why. Um and this is the problem. And, you know, we have to, we have to be, we have to sit here and we have to say, we have to say it. We can't, you know, again, I'm not, I, I, I've got lots of friends that are, I know they're trying to crack America, you know, we take the piss sometimes and, you know, we've got both got friends <laughs> that we've got both got friends there. So, we, you know, we're not, this is not singling out individuals, no. but we're, we're singling out the way that the Italian football and they're trying to market this league as being great and everything. It's not, it's not. You know, and you know that the, the broadcasters in America and, and elsewhere, you know, can 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 try and make out. Oh, it's Milan Juventus. It's fantastic. Look at this. Look at that. You know, and the, even when it includes doing a, a preview of the game of 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 the the Coliseum in the background of a Milan Juventus game, um, but uh, you know they could try and they could try and you know build it up as much as they can. But I'm sorry, the evidence is there in front of you. No, without a doubt. There's not much to, to add to that, to be honest. Uh, I think everything, I think you laid it out really well. I don't know much to add. And I just think that it's, you know, having grown up watching when when these games were, these big games in Italian football and, and, and the individual quality of it. I mean, even though they, these games were usually very tight and very closed, tactical games, the individual quality that some players would show. Because the Ronaldos, the Zidans, the Nedveds, you know what I mean, the Del Pieros, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, you know, whoever you want to want to 
want to want to use as an example that they used to illuminate the these games and now well we don't really have that quality just it's just not there it's just not there no it's not um but there was some quality on show for inter though who returned to the top of Serie A with a with a 3-0 win uh, at Torino this was actually a game that for about an hour was not great either to be honest with you but Inter come really strong in the last half hour and created so many chances after that. And again, Taram and Lautaro, um, the keys. But I want to give a shout out to my boy Dumfries because he comes on and changes the game oh, and gets the, gets the assist for the first goal. That takes him to a seven assists in 14 games this season for club and country, which is absolutely insane. So there's my shout out for my boy Dumfries. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Nima, I'm obviously you must be delighted to, to win. Torino's never no. an easy place to go to go. No, win. no, no. I was worried about this game because this is a difficult game for Inter um, or anyone really. They, they are a tough side to crack. They're a tough nut to crack and I didn't think anything Inter didn't create anything in the opening 45 minutes. Torino did. Uh, whatever chances was, was, was all Torino. But that's the thing though. This is what I like. Inter, Inzaghi and Inter are, are learning how to become a big team. And what do I mean by that? They don't, they, they, it's almost as if in some games they just control the opening half, let the, let the, let the opposition think they're in it and then turn up the heat in the second half and bang, 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 three nil, four nil done. Like against Salernitana, like against here. I mean, it's, it's this kind of luring your opponents into a false sense of security and then just when they, when they, as soon as the time is right, you just, assassinate them with you know with three four gut punches and that's game over go home um before they understand what's happened to them and and i like that that, that that's that's a kind of cynicism as they say in italian football that i kind of like in, in in italy italian football term that i really really like and that's what inter are showing and and i love it but as for dumfries i mean look he he was good he was good in this game there's no doubt about that um and the movement him and Turam really enjoy playing together up front. Um, and they find each other and they're starting to have quite the partnership um, between them. And of course you have Lautaro Martinez, who's now scored what? What is it? Is it, is it, is it 12 goals in the Serie A in nine games? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, he's, he's having the season of his lifetime. Um, and, he needs to be this good. I mean, I said before the season, if Inter to win the Serie A, he needs to score 25 goals in the Serie A alone. Well, he's, 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 halfway, he's halfway there after nine games. It's crazy. Um, it's, I just need him to, to spread out his goals as well in terms of, you know, he needs to come good in, in, you know, throughout the course of the season. Um, but no, look, Taram, what a signing he's becoming. Uh, and... I wonder if he's not the next big player to be sold uh, in the summer. As Marotta spoke uh, over the weekend, saying, "Look, the fa- very honestly, finally, very honestly, that every, every year one big player will be sold. The fans need to understand this. Um, this is where we are, essentially, mm. financial stability-wise." And, and I'm glad that they finally said that. He's such that. an all-rounded player. He's such mm. a such a well-rounded player, such a good team player. He works so well for the team. He fits into the team really, really well. I think that's mm. his biggest strength, even more than you know his contributions for goals and assists, which has been great as well. Um, I just think that he makes the team play better. 
No, he does. He his link-up play, his movement, the the fact. I mean, again, he was brought in to be Jekyll's replacement, uh, and he's kind of doing both of those things. He's doing yeah. both. What he does, does a bit of everything. Did. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. He, he's be, he's become both Jekyll and Lukaku's replacement, and that's kind mm-hmm. of allowed Lautaro to become the poacher, which is crazy. I never thought he would be, but now he's actually delivering. But again, early days, nine games in. Um, but it's it's a very you know it's it's a very very tight Inter, it's it's a very tight Serie A, but it's a very attacking Inter again. What was the XG was like over two point three, wasn't it? It was two point four two XG. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean these, yeah, this I mean this is XG thing. I mean, some people. I mean, depends on which ones you use, but but I mean overall, if you're above two two point three two point two game after game after game. Wins well, have been for like two years now. Yeah, but it's mad. It's <laughs> yeah. mad, isn't Wins it? Wins have scored the most and they've conceded the least in mm. Serie A. So that's, that's something I top. want to praise them too. Mm. Jan Sommer, Onanahu. I mean, it's just Jan Sommer has completely defensively, in terms of a goalkeeper, completely, you know, we don't, you know, Inter don't, don't even think about it. It's a distant memory now. Mm. Of course, still in the build-up phase and the attacking phase, Onana is, is something else. But as far as, but in terms of goalkeeping and in terms of the defense and the organization between and the work between the defense and the goalkeeper, this is this is looking better and better and better. And still, there are mis- they make mistakes. Um, it's still not where it should be, uh, and it should be hitting that from from within two from two three four games onwards. Uh, but one thing I want to say, though, I think Simone Inzaghi needs to bench Nicolo Barella, not because of him not playing at a high level. I don't think he's mentally there. I think this betting scandal has really gotten to him. He released a statement on Instagram where he was furious and livid, uh, saying he was going to take legal action, that he's not said anything until now, um, that he's absolutely fuming, um, calling the papers who published this clowns, and you could tell that he's not there. He's not. He's not. He's not mentally balanced. And I can. I can imagine that. I mean, imagine having your name dragged through the mud like it's been, and you're innocent. You're no, done I'm him. glad he's done that. I'm glad he's calling out. More people need to do that. They need to call out the papers, name and shame them. Do what yeah, you did. Exactly. <laughs> name and, and yeah, shame the people and the and the the, yeah, the, the, the journalists that write it. Name and shame them. Name the papers. Name and shame them because they shouldn't get away with it either. For printing lies. Assuming this is a lie, I'm assuming it's a lie. But you know, so it's it's no, I'm 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 all for. I'm happy he did that. Don't hold it in. Don't don't repress it. Let it out. You know, um, it'll do him good. And then, you know, he's been bad all season, even before this all came out. So I, I don't, you know, I, I think he's just having a he's going for a difficult time on and off the pitch, Barella at the moment. No, he is. And I think he should be benched because he needs to, because he could. I mean, the way that he lost his mind. Uh, in in the second um, in the second half, I mean, he's lucky he didn't get sent off. Um, and and I think before he gets sent off, I think Inzaghi needs to just have a talk with him and say, look, I think you, I'm you know, protect him. You know, this is what I want Inter to protect him. I want Inter to to be there for him, and they are supportive of him because they think it's you know what's going on is disgusting, and they know that he hasn't done anything. And I'm glad that he's taking legal action, but it's clear that this has rattled him and mentally. He he needs some space and time to recover, and I think he should. I think Inter should afford him that time because in midfielding to have this have the the manpower and and the personnel to to allow him just a week or two for him to land 
mm. before he does something that he will regret and, and will cost Inter as well. Because this, this you know, you saw what happened with El Sharavi as well. He was broken in tears afterwards. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's, this is the, the, the way that the Italian media have handled this. Yeah, I want to speak about that. I want to sleep disgrace. Yeah, let's come on to that after. I've got a seg- section on that. Yeah. Um, but I just want to say, say about Torino because um, Inter created a lot where they conceded nothing Inter in this game. 0.37 XG. Um, it's just the same old story with, with Torino again. Um, nothing in attack. Um, six goals in nine games this season. Uh, they've gone four games without a goal right now. Um, they're getting close to the relegation zone. If they lose Schurz as well, that was a serious looking injury. Um, I'm sure there'll be some word on that today or tomorrow um, as to how serious that is. That didn't look good. Um, could be an ACL, I fear. Looking at the way that the, looking at the way that he um, the, the, the 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 leg moved, um, I, I don't know. I, I think we're getting to a point now. We have to start questioning whether whether Ivan Juric is is the right man for for Torino because because they're they're, they're, they're I think he's he's gone as far as he can take this team. Um, I mean, this is this is uh, offensively, it's just abysmal. Torino are an abysmal team offensively. They can't attack, and I mean, when Duvan Zapata was um, was injured, officially ruled out, then I knew that. Well, it was going to take something, a, a, an individual moment of brilliance for you for for Torino to score on Inter. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm having my doubts as to what's going on too, and he's very open about how mm. he feels that he's not, you know, that he's not delivering as he as he should. Mm. So, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Torino are a much better team than where they've been finishing. They're not really. I mean, they're a mid-table team, Torino. Let's be honest. They're kind of like eighth to tenth kind of standard team. Uh, and Juric has. I mean, that's pretty much. Re- I mean, I, I can't remember where they finished on the two Juric last two seasons, but you know they haven't been underperformed that badly in terms of the actual table. But just offensively, yeah, uh, it's. it's I wouldn't want to be a Torino fan, <laughs> to, to be honest, right now. Um, Napoli, though. Let's move on to Napoli, um, who who were very close to losing their manager over the, the international break. Rudy Garcia held on um, and then lost Ossiman to injury for probably over a month. Um, he got injured playing for Nigeria in the international break. and um, But they got a good win, 3-1 against Verona uh, without Ossiman. Um, so Garcia buys some more time, um, but the big story from this game was certainly, without doubt, in the in the week that he got married, Kvitsa Kvaratskhelia, who for me put on an absolutely sensational performance. Um, he was back, right back to his best. Two great finishes. He was going past his man as he did for the second goal. Um, but more than anything, he 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 seemed to have his fire back. He seemed to have his desire back and his love for the game back. Um, he was really up for it. Just look at the way that he celebrated. He, he's got this new kind of celebration um, and he was so, so up for it. And I, and I think that, I think the real creature Claret Skader is back now. He, he's got eight goal contributions in his last seven games uh, for club and country. And he is going to be very, very important for Napoli that he carries on playing like this because without Ossiman for the next month or so and with some huge Champions League games coming up as well, and also, Napoli are now somehow, don't know how, are somehow only five points off the top of the table. 
<laughs> after all this disastrous starts to the season, they're only five points off the table. So Claret Skate is going to be very, very important. He he was he was amazing in this game, Nima. Um well, yeah. Um I think I love the guy. You know how much I love this player. And I'm I'm thrilled to see him. Um to see him perform again at the level where he can express his talent to the fullest. I I think he's a wonderful little guy, little player. I think he's he he has he's got this potential to be one of the biggest stars in world football. Um potentially even winning the Ballon d'Or. Um and he's he he was I love to see Raspadori in him. I, I mean I I really think that I I want to see Raspadori more this season. I love to see and I'm happy to see that without Osimhen there that Raspadori came in and and was just brilliant. Um, and the way that he, they, they, the three of them, Politano, Raspadori, Hricha, you know, the way that they kind of interchanged. Now it, it was wonderful to see. Um, no, I, I, I am, I'm really, really happy to see him perform again. I, I think he's a, he's, he's truly, he's one, of, I mean, he's one of the stars of the Serie A when he's at his best. There's no doubt about that. He's, he's, he's an attraction, an attraction for yeah. the Serie A. I thought the attack did really well without, without Osiman. I thought Politano was very good. He got, he got a goal and two assists. A really lovely assist for the second Cavallo goal. Uh, he was fresh, probably after being dropped by Italy. I, I mean, I think he's better than Orsolini personally. I would, I would, I would have him if he's, if if we're talking about ranking in the Italy national team setup. For me, he's above Orsolini, uh, without doubt. Especially as he's worked with Spalletti as well. Uh, and I thought Raspadori did 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 pretty well as well. Um, the, the the only negative for me for Napoli was the defence is still making mistakes. I mean, the defending for the Lazovic goal was was awful. Uh, Rachmani missed the flight of the ball cross, and then Di Lorenzo just just let it hit him. Di Lorenzo, as great as he is, he's he's been making a few silly errors this season that are causing goals for Napoli. We saw that in the Real Madrid game as well, uh, and then obviously gave away the penalty for Italy uh, earlier last week against England, uh, and and the defence still didn't look. I know Rachmani was back, but they, they still, they kind of, they did risk conceding a second goal afterwards as well, as good as they were kind of going forward Napoli. So the defence is still not quite right. Uh, I guess that's down to Rudy Garcia as well. But I mean, it's a good win for, for Napoli and it gets them back on track ahead of uh, the Union Berlin game. Um, Roma also um, got a win, 90th minute winner by El Sharawi, who then broke down in tears after, as you, as you mentioned. But there's only one thing to talk about here. Uh, and that is Jose Mourinho, um, because and I, I tweeted out, I tweeted this out. No one does revenge like Jose Mourinho since since maybe Michael Corleone in the, the final scene of Godfather One, where he gets revenge <laughs> on all the five families. I mean, that is that is Jose Mourinho. I mean, Nima, you would have seen this being an Inter fan, but oh. no one, no one does revenge like Mourinho. And I'm just going to go through like the revenge two two big moments of revenge um, that he did during this game and uh, during and after this game against Monza. So the build-up to this game against Monza was this this whole kind of Mourinho versus Rafael Palladino war, Palladino being the, the coach of Monza. And Palladino had called Monza, uh, Mourinho and his team's behaviour scandalous um, after the last time they played in, in May, just their whole kind of behaviour on the bench and their antics, which is something that we've seen multiple times by Mourinho's backroom staff we saw it obviously in the Sevilla in the final but we've seen it so many times I mean I've lost count how many times Mourinho and his staff have been sent off in the in the last two years and, and Mourinho again was sent off in this game as well um, but Mourinho didn't get drawn into words before the game 
Um, you know, he was asked about it, you know, what Paladino calling you scandalous, blah, blah, blah. He didn't get in, into it because, you know, Mourinho, when he gets his revenge, he waits for the right moment to get his revenge. And and he did that when El Sharawi scored the goal. I mean, he was he was gesturing, did two gestures towards Paladino in the Monza bench. One, he did the he did the, you know, like the yap yap gesture with his with his with his hands as if to suggest, you know, you talk too much. Uh, and then he did the the, the the cry the cry baby gesture, like with his, you know, twisting his 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 uh, his fist, his clenched fist, and like rubbing it, pretend it's simulating rubbing the eye as if you know you're crying, uh, which was which was hilarious. That got him sent off. And then after the game, then after the game, he went after Papu Gomez. Now Papu Gomez was <laughs> um, was banned, um, received a, a two year ban for failing a, a drug test, um, which is very very sad. Could be the end of his career. Um, but um, Papu Papu Gomez had given an interview last week in which he. He said, and I quote, Mourinho, I only have one memory of him, and that is winning the Europa League with Sevilla uh, against him. Um, of course, Pablo Gomez was at Sevilla last season, and, and he was in the Sevilla's team, or the squad, he didn't play the final, um, that, um, that, that, that beat Roma on penalties in that really controversial final. So Mourinho, after the game, <laughs> says, uh, I have a cough but I won't take any syrup or any pills or else I might have trouble passing the anti-doping tests. So, <laughs> so he got his revenge on, on Papu Gomez. Um, I mean, never. Mourinho, is there any bun better in no, football no, no. at revenge? You don't, you don't go up against him verbally. I mean, the way the, that he destroys, he knows exactly which buttons to press and how to do it. I mean, the way that he calling Wenger a voyeur I mean, <laughs> and a specialist in failure. Specialist in failure. Um, what's his name? Debor, the worst manager in the history of the oh, Premier yeah. League. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what he did to what he did to Conte. Compl- I've never seen Conte that agitated when Conte said that he was demented, demented, senile, and demented. And he said, uh, basic, basically, said, "I've never been unlike you. I've never been." you know, suspended for match fixing and Conte just lost his shit and wanted to kick his ass. <laughs> um, the, 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 the Ranieri thing. The Ranieri when, thing was hilarious. I mean, both at Roma and at Juve, there's so many things. My the Ranieri one was great when, when Ranieri was, was, had, a, had a snipe at Mourinho because Mourinho kept, he said he was missing too many press conferences and, mm. and media, uh, media interviews. He was kept skipping them. And, and Mourinho goes... Uh, I studied Italian five hours a day for many months to ensure I could communicate with the players, the media and the fans. Ranieri had been in England for five years and still struggled to say good morning and good afternoon. Who is he to tell me what to do? And not just that, the, the part where he, where he spoke about where, where Ranieri had criticised him for, you know, he doesn't develop football, he only <clears throat> cares about titles and Mourinho replying saying, that's true, I do care about winning titles and that's how I know things are going well. <clears throat> maybe maybe that's why Ranieri uh, is 70 years old and has only won a small title in his career. But he's maybe he's too old to, to change his uh, to change his mentality. I love how he exaggerates. I think Ranieri was like 60 at the time, <laughs> yeah, he but, he made, but he made him 70. I mean, or, or when he does with, with Lomonico, I mean, the linguistic... Pietro Lomonico is the best one ever. I, I mean, love that. The, I love when Lomonico. Mourinho... One of Mourinho's tactics is he deliberately 
uh, gets their name wrong. He, yeah. he, 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 no, but he uses it because he's linguistically so talented. Yeah, he uses he is the best communicator, I think, in terms of, of uh, in football management. He would be a great writer, comedy writer. Mm-hmm. He would yeah. be fantastic, like writing yeah, Saturday Night Live or something yeah. like that. Like no, but he, he is, he's, his, his ability to communicate, I mean, that's, you know, tactically, he's, he's not the most revolutionary, but what his absolute strength is, is communication winning people over, getting them to die and fight for him in war almost. Mm. Um, and I remember the Le Monaco thing. The Monaco one was the best. We have to read. Can you read, read out the Mon- yeah. Le Monaco one? Le Monaco, because this, this, is, this kind of this sums was, up how good he is with yeah, words and I mean, wordplay. This was in 2000. This is his first season. 2008. 2008. And, he's, and, and he's in, um, he's, when he was at Inter, and, 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 you know, Inter had just beaten Catania 2-1. Um, and... And he had said something about how he could have played in goal and Inter would still have won that game. And then Le Monaco, who was at Catania at the time, uh, said he lacked respect. He was just, he was just, he just talked a lot. And then this is before the Champions League. And they go up to, uh, I remember this so vividly, every frame of that. An Italian media journalist goes up to him and says, Do you have any response to the, to the, to what Le Monaco's, to Le Monaco's declarations? And, and Mourinho spontaneously says, Monaco what? Because in Italian, Monaco means monk as well. So he says, what, which Monaco? And it which means Monaco? Munich as well. Yeah, Munich as well. So he says, Monaco what? The, the, the Monaco from Tibet? The, the, the monk of Tibet? And the journalist says, no, Pietro lo Monaco from blah, blah, blah. And he says, look, I know Bayern Munich or Bayern Monaco. I know Monaco Monte Carlo, Grand Prix Monaco. Um, I don't know any other. If uh, someone named Monaco wants to use my name to gain publicity, well, they have to pay me. Like, uh, what, what, did he, what example did he use? I think he's Puma or, 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 or Nike or Adidas. <laughs> they pay me lots of money to, to talk about that, um, to, to talk about them. But so now I'm not going to give free publicity to someone. Um, no, he, he is the best. I mean, there, there is, I mean, I think Pep, when he said in here, in the press room, he is the best. Like when he, when he was. That was the only time, you know what? That was the best thing that Pep ever did. Because yeah. he won that battle by saying mm-hmm. that. Because he took it totally away from Mourinho's strong point to the pitch, which is where you know Pep was was stronger, and 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 he won that semi final. Um, but yeah, I mean that was yeah. yeah. I mean there's so many examples, but no one no one does revenge like like like. Uh, <laughs> like but that's the thing. Like he never starts beefs, does he? Rarely, seldom starts beefs. No, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He ends no. them. Like, you know, with, you know, that's why I thought it was so funny when him and Ferguson, they never got, went after Mm. each other like that because there was so much respect between them. And Ferguson, you could tell he just loved him. That's one thing I respect about me. I'm like that as well. I'll be honest. Mm. I'm like that in the sense that in terms of with people, like I'm very respectful with people. I'll respect everyone um, on a, you know, on a human individual level. I don't care where you're from, um, who you are. I'll respect you. But if you disrespect me uh, and go after me, um and and you know as it as is often the case with Mourinho it's it's they they you know people go after him um I don't want to say completely um like he doesn't do anything to bring it on but you know on a on an individual level he doesn't go after individuals um you know if, if you go against me I will I will go after you don't you don't worry about it but um so yeah I, I kind of respect that about Mourinho I do I have to be honest, but yeah, just just talking about this game, I think it was an important win um, for, for 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 Roma, uh, and um, yeah, continues their recovery. They've got the top four in their sights now, and and 
And, um, you know, I don't think they played very well. They were disappointed. They played against 10 men for over half the game and didn't create that much. But, but they, you know, they won. Um, I do want to give one shout out, though, to, to Monza. So I picked this up yesterday. Miguel Di Gregorio, the Monza coach, a Monza goalkeeper, sorry, uh, made, two, made two fantastic saves. And he's actually statistically the best goalkeeper in Europe's top five leagues this season. He's got the best, mm-hmm. best save percentage. Uh, and he, he was so close to making it four clean sheets in, in, in a row. So I just want to give a to give a shout out for him. I also do think that the D'Ambrosio red card was harsh in this game. It was naive and stupid of him. He it should was know better. Yellow card. He shouldn't have gone in. He like should have known better. But I want to say Belotti. Belotti is one of the biggest divers in world football. <laughs> he is so bad. He does it all the time. He gets. He's like Harry Kane. Harry Kane is very similar. Any touch in the back, straight to the ground. And I think he bought. I think he bought that. D'Ambrosio was naive, but I do think it was harsh. I don't think it. But this Roma side, you know, now that they're kind of everything is landing and things are coming together, they're looking damn good. Um, I, I wasn't impressed with them personally, but I mean, not knowing this game, but like, but not in isolation, but the way that like things are coming together now a little bit, and they're finding balance. And um, I, I find, I think, I think Roma are going to be closer to that fourth spot than many think. Myself included. Well, they're three I mean, points off top four now. Yeah, I mean, but we. I mean, that's before the Fiorentina game, so Fiorentina oh. can can win and extend it again. But yeah, they're, yeah. they're closing the gap. They're in seventh now, so they 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 they're recovering. They're definitely recovering. Um, oh, just quickly on Papu Gomez. I don't understand this at all. This, this is For me, there's, there's something something missing here from this story. So Papu Gomez was banned for two years for a failed doping test. He was found with traces of ter- terbutaline uh, in his system, which is a, it's a medication used to, to treat shortness of breath caused by asthma, bronchitis, um, and it's, it's in, in the list of banned substances. Now, this is bizarre, right? So... Um, Gomez um, was found guilty in October 2022. He failed the doping test. Um, this was before the, the World Cup, before Argentina's World Cup. Somehow, it's only ta- it's taken a whole year for the counter analysis test uh, and for him to actually get his um, his suspension. Um, during that time, he's played in the World Cup. He's played for Sevilla, who've won the the Europa League. Um, he played in the semi-final against Juventus, actually, as Mourinho also said cheekily. Um, uh, he was trying to cause mischief there as well about about Sevilla winning the, the, the Europa League. No, knows what he's doing, Mourinho. Um, so for me, how does it take a year? It makes no sense. A whole year. Someone I mean, needs to explain I, that. Someone needs to explain think, that to me. I don't understand. I, mean, that. I don't know. What, what, I, I haven't been reading too much into that case, but I mean, it depends also if he's been contending it, or if there's been a legal proceeding going on and so on and so forth. You know, the, some people like to get this out of the way quickly and plead bargain and, and sort it out that way. Other people say, no, I'm innocent. I fought it. And, and you know, it, it depends. Well, he's, he's announced that they're going to be fighting it now. Like they're, 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 the lawyers are going into yeah. it, looking into it. Um, he, he said that he accidentally ingested a spoonful of cough syrup that he'd given to his to his son, which is what's caused it. It was involuntary, uh, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, some, something does not make sense here. How, how it can take a whole year for it to go from the failed d- drugs test to him then getting banned, I, I, I do not understand that at all. Um, it, it doesn't. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, so yeah, I, I, if anyone understands it, write to us. But to me, I, I've I, I've not seen an explanation, and people I've, I've seen talking about it don't seem to understand it either. Um, 
Lazio um, also got a uh, got got a good win uh, at um, at Sassuolo two 0 total domination in this game total totally deserved win created chance after chance they had an xG of almost three um, Luis Alberto was brilliant again in this game he scored he created loads he had five shots he had four key passes can I just say again for the third time even more so now that Tonali is going to miss the Euros. Italy, I think, if they can, if he's eligible, I think they should call him up now because Italy are now short at centre midfield. I, I would, I, I think we, they should call him up. Um, also, I thought that the, the attack was good. Tati Castellanos was good again, got an assist. I think Immobile is in trouble now. Uh, Felipe Anderson was good. This was an important win uh, ahead of final. So well done to, to to Lazio. I also just want to say one other thing about Sassuola. Ruan Trezoldi, is he the worst defender? <laughs> In Serie A, he must be. He makes so many mistakes. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> um, they were dreadful. They were absolutely horrible, uh, Sassuolo defensively. Um, and this is, again, like, this is what's so weird about them. They go up against teams, the good teams, and they, they take the game to them. But against, like, but when they have their defensive lapses, they are they are just, they just open, wide open, and they make so many individual errors. I mean... The way that he did that was it to Luis Alberto of all people who he gifted the ball to. It's just unwatchable that uh, defensively. But no, it's Lazio were good, and again, Lazio. It, it, you know, this, this is why I say this is Serie A. It, it, it takes a few games for everyone to for everyone to kind of get into the swing of things, um, and now we're kind of seeing. Lazio, Roma, all these teams kind of, you know, n- now the, the league really begins. Um, and and for Lazio's sake, again, I, you know, they brought on Ciro Immobile in the 80th minute. By then, the game was was already won. Um, so, no, nah, it's... To, I, I keep saying this. I think it is, it is up to... To you know, for Sari Ball to work, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I think Chiro Immobile can't start. He just, it just doesn't work. He's not, he's not able to do what Sari wants him to do. And with, with Castellanos, they, they look more fluid, they look more balanced, they look more, everything just clicks. Um, because again, Sari is, Sari is a system coach, just like Conte. And I keep saying this, like he needs everything to work for the for the defense to work, the attack has to work. Like everything clicks. He's not like Allegri, who's you know risk minimizing. It, it is a marching band, and and this is and, and when Lazio tick, they they, they look unbelievable. Um, and and Ciro Immobile just can't do what he wants him to do. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, that, that's that's that's. I, I agree with that, but I think Lazio. Yeah, they've got a big game coming up against Feyenoord now. Uh, huge, huge game. It's going to be a very difficult game as well. But that, that's an important win for them ahead of that. Um, also, Atalanta, very important win for them. They beat uh, Genoa one nil. Um, so they're knocking on the door. No, two nil. Sorry, they they scored a they scored deep into injury time. Um, so they they're, they're knocking on the door. There was a very controversial call in that game for the Lookman first goal, which I've watched so many times. I still can't tell whether he handled the ball or not. Um, it's one of those. Um, but they're, they're, they're up to six now uh, at Atalanta. And the other games, uh, uh, Bologna win 2-1. They're also knocking on the door um, of Europe uh, against 
against Frosinone. Um, Frosinone impressed me though. They they almost get got a, they almost grabbed a draw in that game. Uh, and then Salernitana two, Cagliari two. Uh, Pippo Inzaghi, his first game wasn't it for for Salernitana? Uh, crazy end to that game. Lots of goals in the last ten minutes and an injury time. Um, ahead of the Monday Monday games, um, Udinese Lecce and Fiorentina uh, Empoli. Um, I just want to touch on uh, touch upon the the, the betting scandal. There's, there's not really any new updates since our, since our last show. Um, but I do want to touch upon what you just, just said, though, um, about the way that the Italian media has handled this. But not just the Italian media, but the Italian uh, football authorities and uh, just Italian football in general. Because they've, they've turned... Italian football has been turned once again into a circus by just how badly this has been handled uh, in, in everything. You know, we, we've already discussed about, you know, I, I personally think that, and I've seen and people saying this in England as well, um, that, you know, it's, they're, they're treating this way too harshly. The punishments are way too harsh. But in terms of the media, the way that the media is handling this nimmer is embarrassing as well. Um, you know, you've, you've got Fabrizio Corona who's running wild with all these kinds of, 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 of stories. Many of them fake. Zalewski, El Sharawi, Casale, Gatti have all been accused when they're all seemingly completely innocent. The same with Nicola Barella who got dragged in. You know, we had... Barella, like you said, is, is is really cracking up over this. El Sharawi bursting into tears um, after the game. I and mean, the Italian media is giving Corona so much airtime and column inches. I mean, they're treating him like he's some great investigative journalist, like he's Julian Assange or someone, you know, and and and, and they're giving airtime to this criminal. Um, I mean, it's just a it's just a shambles. And then you look elsewhere, you have Papu at the same time, Papu Gomez is getting getting a, a ban, a drugs ban. You have the domestic TV TV rights shambles where um, last week it was revealed that the Zone Sky Media Set all made ridiculously low offers, um, and and the and they, so they're still no closer to to taking a deal. And there's now just as we're, we're speaking, if you check our if you check our our group uh, Nima on. Um, we have a group called Nimmer Bingo Group, um, which is... <laughs> we uh, don't. You all do. And I was <laughs> and I was brought into it after you created a bingo card for me. <laughs> yeah, we created a bingo card. Of all Since the then, I've been changing everything I say every week to keep you all on your toes. Yes, yeah. Because there's certain, <laughs> there's certain phrases that, that Nimmer always comes out with, Swedish sayings, but also things mm. like, you know, you know, you know, you'd all know there's certain things yeah. that Nimmer always says. Um, anyway, so check that group now Nima. so basically um the latest that's just broken this morning is that sky design are offering a 900 million a season deal for the 2024 to 2029 uh tv rights uh and oak are offering 975 million so they're offering 75 million a season more guess which one the league is choosing Nima? well of course they're going to take the one that is old school <laughs> because <laughs> the one that Oak Tree wants to do is exactly what I want them to do. And that is going directly to the consumer, creating a modern product. And so, of course, these dinosaurs are going to take the lower offer and they're going to take the uh, the offer that they understand um, as opposed to something they don't understand because they don't understand. They, they, they still think that the internet is a, is a, is a fashion fad that's going to disappear. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, I, I, I don't even, you know, I, I just can't, I just can't deal with it. I just don't. 
it just frustrates me, man. Like, it's just, it's so, now is the time to do this. Because when the Premier League discovers, when, when people like Simon Jordan finally get to the Premier League and say, look, we can dominate football forever and ever until the end of time if we stop, if we go directly to the consumer globally, like Netflix, charge tenner a month, tenner a month, 20 million people in the world are going to pay that per month, finish, done, done, finish, forever and ever, your Premier League is going to dominate. It's just, it's, now is the time to do it, but they're not going to. I I just, it's just, it's so dumb. It is so dumb. And it's some, and and it brings me to the point where it's just like, you can't save people from themselves. So let it all go to hell. Let it all go to hell. Maybe that's the only way some people will learn when things go absolutely pear shaped and to hell. Maybe then they're like, Oh, oh, maybe we made a mistake. Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe next time. Listen, it's just frustrating, man. It's just so yeah. So, it's so just, frustrating. Let's let's call it what it is. It's pure corruption. Let's let's let's, it let's, is. let's not let's not you know make out like it's uh, they're making some kind of decision based on uh, what they think is right. It's it's, it's, it's pure corruption. Um, but it just I mean for, Italian football has been a complete circus in the last week or so. Everybody watching like the only people people that I speak about you know at work and and, and elsewhere that are, are not Italian football fans, but they're just you know cursory looking at what's going on over there, just like what the hell is going on in Italian football. You've got this betting scandal, you've got all this, like it's just all, like I say, it's just negativity, negativity, negativity all the time. There's nothing ever is is positive or anything in which they're building anything. Uh, it's just, just embarrassing, just the way, that they're, they're, just everything about it is embarrassing. But it's not just Italian football. And I just wanted something that sums up the way that how badly Italian football and Italian sport is run, right? So I saw this story uh, a few days ago. So Italy is holding the 2026 uh, Winter Olympics in Milan and, and Cortina d'Ampezzo, right? And it's been announced that for the first time in over 100 years of the Winter Olympics, parts of the Olympics will be held in another country because Italy is unable to put on and afford to host some of the events. So the bobsled, the skeleton and luge events will not be held in Italy. Um, the organisers have said that it's mainly because they can't afford it um, because they were planning to rebuild uh, one of the tracks, but now apparently they can't afford it because um, it would go over the budget provided by by the government um, and the funders. And, you know, this is, for an, this is for the Winter Olympics of 2026. Italy won the bid in 2019. So they've had four years, basically, to get to where they are now. And now they finally just belatedly announced that they're, they're unable to fulfill their, their hosting rights. So these events will now be held in, in Austria and, and Switzerland. And I repeat, this is the first time in a hundred year history of the Winter Olympics that part of the Olympics won't be held in, in that country of the hosts. It, they're having to take some of the events and, and put them in another country. I mean, it's just embarrassing. And it, so, I mean, it just shows it's not just Italian football. It's Italian sport. It's Italian culture. It's just it's just everything. It's just a mess. It's just a shambles. Just the whole thing's falling apart. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to give that example because I think it sums up, doesn't it, the the situation in <laughs> in, in Italian football right now. About this, this is just where we are right now. And what can you do? For me, what 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 really pisses me off is the way the Italian media have handled this. I'm sorry, but you can't. You know, 
it's not, you can't just publish, any idiot can publish anything unsubstantiated, but it's a journalist supposed to verify information. And they haven't. They've just been, they've been giving this disgusting, vile swine, Corona, all the TV time in the world where he can make allegation after allegation without having to back it up, outing players saying this guy is gay, this guy isn't. I mean, it's, it's so irresponsible. It's What's so funny about it, Nimmer, is that the mainstream media and the corporate media always try and look down on the independent media because they say, oh, the independent media, they don't fact check that, that great word, which doesn't, which fact check, which just basically, you know what it, what it really means. It basically means, <laughs> it basically means uh, fact checked by the, by the, by the, the, the government, basically, or, or by the corporate powers. Um, and, um, you know, they try and look down on the independent media because they say that, you know, we do journalism the right way. You know, we fact check things. We, Whenever we make, someone we says things. fact check in this day and age, that's a that's a trigger warning. That's an alarm bell that should go off in your head that an extra special big lie is coming down the road. Yeah, yeah. A, and a special whopper of a lie is coming down the road. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's what it means because these these fact checkers mm. who have been supposed are supposedly supposed to be above it all are so full of crap. That it's 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 just it's not even one time it's just 90 percent of the time they just distort at worst lie uh, so yeah whenever I hear the word whenever I hear the fact checker then I know that okay here's a whopper of a lie coming down the road no absolutely but I mean I just I just find it amusing that you know and it's not just in football this is and it's not just in Italy either I mean I think that we we've, we've really seen in the last. We've seen it in the last few weeks with what's going on in 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 Palestine um, and Israel and Palestine. But but you know further along, you know what happened in COVID and and going. You know we've seen in the last few years the mainstream media and the corporate media has been shown to be, you know, it's shown it's everybody's seen its its true colours um, that that you can't you know this 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 whole picture that the mainstream and corporate media try to paint that you know. The mainstream media is is what you can is is proper journalism. It's proper journalism, and you, it's the journalism that you you can trust. And the, the independent media is 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 not something you can trust because it's done by amateurs and unprof- you know people and of that, course, that don't follow the rules. They don't yeah, do proper journalistic procedure. Yeah, right, you know. Right, well, I think right. that you know the last few years have shown that it's actually the, the other way around now. Um, that that you know, obviously, there's good and bad in all media and it's good and bad in independent media as well. But one thing that's for sure is that the mainstream media and the corporate media cannot be trusted at all. In fact, they're the, they're, they're the ones that you should trust the least uh, right now. And that's been shown not just in, in, in what's happened here with this betting scandal, but this betting scandal is an example is a microcosm of, of kind of where the mainstream media is now that it's the mainstream media and the corporate media have got to a position now where they're, they're basing a whole betting scandal investigation and their their source is all is Fabrizio Corona, <laughs> you know. It's I mean, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. You know? It's genuinely uns- it's genuinely disgraceful. Um, and the and the only reason they're doing it is because they they the way that they cover is is just tabloid. It's tabloidism. That, that's that's the level. Well, that's what it's become, operate. isn't it? It's and it also shows, and it's also because they're so desperate because their media yeah. is dying. Well, they are the revenue, dying. Their revenue streams dying. and advertisement has all dried up. It's um, artificial, you it's know, artificial, you know, breathing really. 
uh, it's it's it is what it is. But look, it's now I just find this entire thing, the way that the media, the Italian media, has covered this, to be absolutely disgraceful. You know, you can't just outing people left, right, and center who haven't done anything wrong, and they're doing it with someone who's been convicted. I mean, he should be. He's, he was convicted 13 years in prison for doing this kind of, you know, for, for doing these things. There's no evidence either. There's I mean, nothing there's there. No, there's, it's just him I mean, sitting there saying things, and he's on he's on every channel, every newspaper, talking things, saying one source told me this. And then it's mm. like, that's not and journalism. They run with that's it. that's, that's a rumor. Yeah, they run with it. That's, that's a rumor. That's, that's mm. not journalism. We're supposed to verify any idiot can say something. You need to, you need to have some form of co- corroborative evidence. You need to have, you know, it's just, uh, it's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. It's, it's disgusting too. And it's, you know, you saw what happened to El Sharabi. He was destroyed. Barella too was, was fuming. I mean, you know, these guys are having their names dragged through the mud for seemingly no reason whatsoever. No, it's I agree. Disgusting. Right, we, we're running over, so I'm just, we're not going to discuss Europe. We're just, I'm just going to run through the fixtures. Um, so we have Inter versus Salzburg and Union Berlin versus Napoli, uh, Champions League match day three. That's on Tuesday. And then final with Lazio and PSG Milan uh, on uh, Wednesday. Um, um, basically, Milan, Milan is the key one here. They're, they're the one that's under the most pressure. They need to get at least a draw in that. The other teams have, have a little bit more. No, they have to win. win. Inter have to win against Salzburg, Napoli, Union Berlin. I'm worried about that for Napoli's sake. They have a draw, to win. A draw that. will be fine, I think. Fair enough, Napoli. but they have yeah. to win that. I th- I, I'd rather... I, We'd rather I, they win, but it's not a disaster if they yeah. draw. And then Lazio Feyenoord as well. I mean, if they can win that, they will take a huge step towards towards uh, the, the qualifying. Uh, but yeah, Milan PSG is obviously the big one. And I wouldn't count Milan out here, to be honest. I wouldn't count them out. Yeah, not ideal preparation losing to Juventus, but maybe, we, you know, hopefully we'll see a reaction. But they need to get a draw, at least, in this game. Because if they lose, then I think they're going out. They're going out, I think. If they, if they lose, they're going to have to win their last three games, probably, to qualify. Um, so they, they, they um, yeah, they, they need to get a draw there, uh, and then on, and then in Europa League, Sturm Graz, Atalanta, Roma, Slavia, Prague, and Fiorentina versus Kukariki on uh, Thursday. Um, right, finish off with Badjo and Prem face of the week. Okay, so Badjo of the week, um, who we who we got for Badjo of the week, Nima? I have Di Gregorio and Monza goal because those two saves were insane. And he was just, he was brilliant throughout that game as well. Um, and, and that stat that you proved about him being statistically the best goalkeeper in all of Europe's top five leagues. Well, I, I thought he was out. That, that was just, wow. Like he was, those those safes were just unbelievable. Like I said, mm. we, as we say in Sweden, we call those idiot saves. Like <laughs> I love that. Kind of, I love it's that. Just, it's just, it, it was one, it was so many, the, the header, the, the our header that he saved was just, wow. Mm. It was. Yeah, I'm going to go out Scalia, and I'm also going to say Mourinho because I love that. Yeah, uh, that was big, that was like watching Mourinho again from 15 years ago because he's, he's, you don't get that that much. But every now and again, he 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 kind of yeah. He, he we see that we see that we see the real old Mourinho, um, the the OG Mourinho as I call him. We see that every now and again. We saw that on Sunday. It was great, great to watch. Um, Prem face of the week. Um, Fox Sports America have been on a rampage of Prem facery in the last the last week it's been one thing after the other after the other um just hilarious they first of all they said Gianluigi Buffon was the goalkeeper for Italy at Euro 2020 in the England versus Italy game uh and then they they did and this this is a work of art 
they did a Milan versus Juventus preview image for social media in which they had all four Americans uh, in the in the image uh, that were playing, the Milan-Juventus players, uh, you know, Musa, Pulisic, McKenney and, and Weya. And for some bizarre reason, they had them imposed in the Colosseum, which, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that come, how that happens. Like how you sit down and put the Colosseum in a game that's being played in Milan between Milan and Juventus. <laughs> so they had some whoppers. Um, and then I just want to. I just want to. I, I have to. I have to mention this because this this is hilarious. And, and I don't want to down. I don't want to belittle and downplay what is obviously an incredibly serious, you know, tragic. What's what's going on at the moment in in Palestine, Israel. Um, but you know, there is always there's always some light within the dark. Uh, and in India, there was a pro-Palestine um, uh, <laughs> protest. Um, um, this this is this is generally one of the funniest things I've seen um, this year. So there's a bunch of um, pro-Palestine supporters <laughs> in India, and they they they're holding they're waving flags in support of Palestine only. <laughs> All the flags are not Palestine flags; they're Italy flags, <laughs> and it's not just one or two Indians that are doing this. It's it's a massive crowd of hundreds of them, all holding Italy flags, waving Italy flags. There must be hundreds of them, uh, and then they're also holding a banner up um, of Palestine, and they've spelt Palestine wrong. They've spelt it Palestine um, instead of. Uh, <laughs> N E, it's E N uh, at the end. It's Palestine. Oh, no, it's it was yeah. It's it's very very funny. Uh, it, it is. It's it, the, the the during throughout this horrible thing that's been going on this war. Um, the the best memes and content has somehow come from India and Bangladesh and Pakistan, <laughs> who aren't even a party to this conflict it's it's just the stuff that i've seen online the memes around this it's just i mean i don't even know where to where to begin it's just been how do you how i i don't yeah but it's been it's been crazy but yeah no i, I've, I've I have actually watched. watched that video about 30 times and yeah, man, I, I just time. i can't it, he it's just it's comedy isn't it it's just yeah, the absurd, for absurdity yes, for, for sending yeah. that to us. and i i have one as well nick harris uh, from uh, who called uh, with the ironic handle on Twitter sporting intelligence because uh, there's no intelligence here uh, maybe there's sporting involved but there certainly isn't any intelligence here uh, after Sir Bobby Charlton died Manchester City fans behaved poorly and sang disgusting chants right and this this mental midget decides to quote tweet that from the Premier League and says, when a club has an ownership group and hierarchy that believes we can do what we want with impunity, that's inevitably going to filter down to some of the fan base. Putrid, but hardly unpredictable. That's the dumbest shit I've heard this week. And that is impressive. Because, first of all, owners or chairman of a club somehow instigating in another area... like. To, to what the fans are singing about Bobby Charlton. Are you mad? Are you literally insane? There is no correlation here. If we're using that logic too, and I use the term logic very loosely here, um, then Liverpool 
owners and chairman Sir John Smith and David Moores were morally to blame somehow for what they did because Liverpool fans did Hazel, which was one of the worst catastrophes in all of football history. People actually died there. There's no correlation. The only difference here, of course, is that City's owners are from the Middle East and he has to turn everything as people are rinsing him of other clubs, not just City fans, because there aren't very many City fans. Maybe, what was it I used to say about, was it Stockport, three guys in Stockport and a three-legged dog? But in all honesty, other cl- fans of other clubs are going, not everything is geopolitics. Fans have always misbehaved with chance, especially in England, and it's got nothing to do with the owners. And for you to try to turn this in this climate into some sort of, you know, damn those Arabs and Muslims, it's frankly, frankly, quite disgusting and pathetic. But again, I'm sure the fact checkers will will, will fact check for him mm-hmm. and prove him right. God. Yeah, maybe not in this case, because I mean, yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool fans do it all the time. No, but get, it's not just that everyone uh, does Liverpool it. Every, do it everyone against, does it. Yeah. Every fan does it. It's got nothing to do with where the owners are from. It's got nothing to do with the no. owners at all. This is a ridiculous kind of someone trying no, 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 to drag no. Liverpool something. Fan, Liverpool fans do it all the time against against like Munich and against, uh, you, know, you know, and then, and then City fans do it against Munich and then Man United fans do it against uh, Hillsborough and... And, uh, you know, it's just something that fans always, you know, the, the fans of those rivalries especially do, do all the time. Um, okay, right, let's leave it at that. Um, we back. Um, we might not do a Q&A this week because, yeah. we, we, because we did it late last week. We yeah, we did it late last week and we had lots of questions. So, so we'll, not, let, not... we'll let them build up. We'll let them, yeah. we'll let them, we'll let them build up and then we'll, 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 do, a, we'll do one uh, next week. But yeah. we'll see, we'll see. Um, and then we will be back on Thursday, Thursday. for yeah review of the Champions League. Oh, yeah, matches. Champions League and yeah, yeah preview of the weekend. Okay, mm. thank you everybody for listening. Um, see you later in the week. Ciao, ciao.